Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. I just want to introduce myself a little bit. If I, if you haven't met me and I don't know you, uh, I wear a couple of hats around here. Um, so I just want to introduce myself a little bit and then I'll go into the message that I really believe God has for us. When Mark was saying all these things a minute ago, I've been a cry. I, for those that don't know me, I cry a lot. So don't feel bad if I cry. My lashes may come off sometime during this message. I'm just warning you now. But Mark was talk, talking about a message and it being cultivated over the years. And I really felt like that's the message this morning. It's something that I've learned throughout the years, and I'm going to share with you a little bit. Um, so I am the wife of this uh, fine, handsome homeboy up here. This is my boo. Shout out to my husband. He makes all good things come to my life. Him and Jesus, uh, literally, he put up with my mess. It was his love that brought me to the Lord. I was a mess. I mean, so was he, but he was not as much of a mess. Uh, but he's loved me really, 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 really well. Thank you. I always shout out to him because he's like the silent partner, kind of, right? But he's my covering. And he honors me so well and loves me and prays for me and intercedes for me and all the things. Husband, take notes. So what you do, come talk to him. He'll, he'll help you out. So um, I'm a mother to four children. The drummer is my son, and I have a daughter sitting in the front row, and these handsome kids up here are my grandchildren. I have four adult children and 17 grandchildren. Come on. Our Christmases are like 30 deep. We roll deep when it's just family. Uh, I'm also the executive pastor here, which means I do the business side of the church and I help oversee the TLs and make sure the vision and the ministry of the church is, is going forward. I'm an elder. We are elders, which means we help the teeth grow straight with a smile. I'm like an orthodontist. Take Advil before you come have a meeting with me. Uh, also at the moment overseeing women's ministry. And I also work with survivors of human trafficking. Um, so during the conference, one of the messages really stuck out to me and I like meditated on chewed it over and over and over and listened to it. And that was the one from cherish. I think it was that Saturday morning or maybe the Friday morning when she talked about, if you don't contend, you're going to conform. How many of you, you heard that meeting or heard that message. So that really stuck out to me. And what does this look like? Uh, my mind went to, if we don't contend for something, we're going to conform to everything. Okay? And so the first thing that I think about is my very first encounter by myself with the Lord. And what I meant was I had a conversation with the Lord. Well, really, he did the talking because he woke me up out of my sleep. I was dead asleep. I was a babe in the Lord. And I didn't understand a lot of things and I heard him call my name like he's in my ear, like someone said, Marlene. And I opened my eyes and I looked and my husband's like, Krush. I'm like, well, it's not him. And then I remembered the story of Samuel. And I said, here I am, Lord. Are you talking to me? And he said, feed my sheep. And I said, okay, what does that mean? Because I was a babe. And then he said, tend my lambs. 
And I said, what does that mean? Like, I don't understand. I mean, I was so new. I was like, is this good or bad? Is this good or bad? I need to weigh this spirit. What is happening right now, right? So when Cherish went, did the whole message on contend or conform, my first thought was to our babies in the house, not babies literally by age, but the babes in the Lord. And do they understand what it means to contend? What does that look like in the spirit? And it also is a reminder for those of us that have been walking for the Lord, with the Lord for a little bit, don't give up. We have to contend for certain things, right? It's not striving. We don't strive for anything. But we are an army. And we're called to battle. And we're called to fight. And I titled this, this is how I fight my battles. This is, and you know, I was like, you know, God, I always am so militant and hardcore and right. Like I'm telling the Lord, like, can I give a soft fuzzy message? Like, can I make people feel good? And I somebody, a spiritual daughter came to pick me up and we were on the way to Mexico. Shout out Mexico. Ho! Bienvenidos hermanos y hermanas en la casa. But we're on the way to Mexico, and as soon as I opened her door and I got in the car, the song, this is how I fight my battles. I was like, I hear you loud and clear, Jesus. This is my message. So one of the first things that came to mind was Romans 12, 2, and I'm going to do a lot in the Amplified today. Okay? It says, do not be conformed or be similar in form or type or agree to this world. Do not come into agreement with what's happening in the culture of this age in this time, okay? Any longer with its superficial values and customs, be transformed and progressively changed. Progressively changing into the image and likeness of Christ, okay? As you mature spiritually... By the renewing of your mind, focus on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plans and purpose for you. So I'm going to talk to you three adults real quick. You three young kids up here do not agree with what's happening in your schools. Don't agree with it. You don't need girlfriends. Now. You don't need to watch pornography. You don't need to be on Snapchat because everybody else is snapping and they're chatting. <laughs> you don't need it. You don't need to be on TikTok because people are ticking and talking. You don't need it. That's the pattern of this world to get your mind off and get it just focused on social media and technology so that you don't have time to listen to the voice of God. Don't agree with what's happening in your school system. And this goes for everyone. They just happen to be sitting on the front row. If you're in school, this is, and it's not just, it's us too. Our culture is rapidly changing. So here we're told in scripture not to agree with the world, the superficial values or customs. We can also agree to say, don't agree with the world system or the system of this world. So let's look at the word contend. It's defined in the Blue Letter Bible Dictionary as to struggle or to compete for a prize. And it's also defined to fight. What are you willing to fight for? And I'm not talking about fighting people. I'm talking about fighting in the spirit. 
What does that look like? Kevin says it all the time, and we really have to grasp this understanding that we are spirit beings. We are a spirit. We live in a body, and we have a soul. Okay? Lots of the times we look at it opposite. We, ha- we are a body, and we have a spirit and a soul. No, we are spirit beings. So when we contend and we fight for something, we have to fight in the spirit. And our weapons are not carnal. They're not physical. They're not flesh. So contend means to compete for a prize or to fight. Let's look at Colossians 1.29. Let's see what Paul has to say in Colossians 1.29. This is in the NIV. He states that to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So he's fighting or he's trying to compete for a prize to fulfill God's will for his life. Let's look at verse 28 real quick. What's he fighting for? What's the prize? He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. What is Paul fighting for? That for, the, for people to be mature. He's not fighting the political system. He's not fighting the culture. He's fighting so that the people that he's discipling, that he's in contact with will be fully mature. There's somebody I'm working with right now. She's a survivor of human trafficking and she's back out. She left. She's back in the neighborhood using drugs and and turning tricks. So how do I fight for her? What do I do to help her? I intercede to the Father on her behalf. I stand in the gap for her and I said, God, spare her life. God, I proclaim and I declare that she will live and not die and tell of the wondrous works of the Lord. I speak life over you. She can't even hear me and I'm speaking it out. Life, I speak life over you. So how do you contend in the spirit? What does that look like? Paul's destiny is to present fully mature believers to God. He is strenuously fighting against every adversary so that his destiny is fulfilled. Wow. When we contend or fight for something in the spirit realm, when we contend, we fight for something in the spirit realm until we see it manifest in the physical. One of the things I have contended for for years were my children. But for the grace of God, guys, I jacked my kids up in the name of religion. I have two testimonies. I got free from drugs and I got free from religion. So the kids don't, very, don't remember very much about me using and drinking and all that stuff because they were so little. But man, that religion, I was so hard on them. Disney, not my house. Teletubbies, not my house. We ain't doing no Teletubbies. Mm-mm, no, sir. No Katuna Matata, nothing. Whoever, Katuna Manana, I don't know what he's saying. We, I took him to see Tomb Raider. 
had a row full of teenagers. Y'all don't want to know the other movies I took him to because I didn't know. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? I took him to see Tomb Raider. Y'all seen Tomb Raider? They try to raise somebody from the dead. And they start saying all these things. It's a chant. It's an incantation. It's witchcraft is what it is. I have a row full of teenagers and I'm like, oh Jesus, what did I do? There's witchcraft in this show. So I am, my side of the story, my telling of the story is I was very quiet in my chair. Cover their eyes, cover their ears. They will not repeat this in their head when they go to bed. It will not plant seed in their mind. Like Jesus, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for bringing my kids to this witchcraft movie. If you listen to my son, Litos, he says, I stood up in the movie theater and was like, I was like, mm, I don't remember it that way. <laughs> now I tell everyone my greatest area of intercession are for my, my 17 grandchildren. That they would choose Jesus. That they would choose him of their own volition. So I'm not cramming the Bible down their throat. God, Christian, whatever is normal for them. They don't know any different because they've been raised in a household. But they're, most of them are of the age that they get to choose. So what I'm contending and fighting in the spirit now is that my grandchildren will choose Jesus. Five of them of the 17 have given their life to the Lord. Five of them. I'm counting. Check, 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 check. Because it matters. It's important. That's something. I, what will you fight for? What will you contend for? What would you intercede that it's the focus of your life? Not a five-minute prayer, but it becomes the focus of your life. Many years ago, I prayed to the Lord and I said, break my heart for what breaks yours. It's a dangerous prayer. Because guess what? It happens. So how do I fight for people I don't even know? Because I know it's the Father's heart. What does that look like? The first thing that I want to talk about is prayer and intercession. I operate when I minister as a teacher. It's not my career. It's my nature. So let's look at Colossians 1, 9 through 11 in the Amplified. How do we fight in the spirit? What does this look like? What's important in your life that you're going to contend for? What burden has God placed on your heart that he's called you to contend and fight for? I never wanted to work with human trafficking victims. I didn't wake up one morning and say, oh, you know what? I think this will be a good idea to see women exploited and beat and abused and, and shot up with drugs. And I didn't think that was never a desire of my heart. I got a 3 a.m. wake up call and the Lord said, this is what I want you to do. This is what breaks my heart. Amber and I share a burden for the kids in the CPS system. I'm going to tell on you. She texted me the other day and said, Marlene, like I'm, I'm weeping all day. I'm travailing. I said travailing. I know the definition. 
She's like, I'm crying. I don't know what to do. I was like, girl, cry it out with Jesus. Go, go separate, wail, weep, travail, cry. Because God's breaking her heart for the kids in the broken system. Do you know we have kids in CPS system that are staying in motel rooms because there's no placement for them? The teenagers are staying with CPS workers around the clock in a motel room because there's nowhere to place them. They have no idea what family looks like. What is our model here? Family. So how can we help? What can we do? So for Colossians 1, 9 through 11 says, For this reason, since the day we heard about it, we have not stopped praying for you, asking specifically that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom, with insight into his purposes and in understanding of spiritual things, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, displaying admirable character, moral courage, and personal integrity to fully please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing in the knowledge of God with deeper faith, clearer insight, and fervent love for his precepts. Verse 11, we pray that you may be strengthened and invigorated with all power according to his glorious might to attain every kind of endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Notice what he's contending for, that they will be fully mature spiritually that they have supernatural wisdom and understanding, know God's will for their life, live a life worthy of who they are in Jesus. How many of you are contending for a prodigal son or daughter? How many of you are contending for family members that don't know Jesus? How many of you are contending for your own spiritual maturity? I'm going around. It's like a hamster. I tell people sometimes, girl, get off the hamster wheel. Because you're going round and round and round and round and round and round. Now let's jump off and let's move forward. That they would bear fruit or see the wonderful results of their efforts. That they, their knowledge of who God is grow. That they need to be strengthened in God's power. If you want something to pray over your family or over yourself, if they need to know Jesus or you need to grow spiritually, learn this scripture. Memorize this word. That's the next thing I'm going to talk about is that it's so important to memorize scripture and the word. Because it's a weapon, it's a tool that you fight with. You don't fight people, you fight in the spirit. So someone was at our house yesterday and they got this amazing, someone that the Lord's really placed in my heart recently and we had a coffee devotional in the morning that lasted four hours. We were, they were like, this could be all day. I'm like, no, Fabian won't let it go all day, but I mean, it's nice. But I said, you need to memorize this word because when the enemy comes and lies to you, you have truth that you speak. So here is something that's in the word of God that you can decree over the people that you're praying. And we'll talk about decreeing in a minute. So Paul knows this is what they need because he's heard about them or because God has told him what to pray. God will give you specific things 
to pray. It is so important that we abide. Moni was telling me this morning and praying over me to abide in Christ. We have to sit with him. Before you go out, you sit. Before you minister, you sit. Before you do street outreach, you sit. Before you attend something, you sit. Well, you guys don't know. Y'all see Prophet Kevin come in here and he's going and blowing and prophesying till one o'clock in the morning and hold, you know, doing all the things. But what you don't realize that we learned is that he'll come in and say, I didn't sleep all night. I sat with the Lord all night. The Lord woke me up. I haven't slept. We had meetings for him scheduled at 12, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And he calls me at 7.30 and says, Marlene, move everybody up because I didn't sleep all night long. I'm ready to go. And I'm like, uh, well, (laughs) people have jobs. (laughs) But before he comes and does this public display of God's love and power, he sits. He sits with the Lord. What is the difference between prayer and intercession? Are they the same? Kind of. Prayer in our lives is like fuel to an engine. Okay? We'll not go very far in life in our Christian walk without a healthy prayer life. We'll go a distance, but we may not go long distance. If you're traveling in your car to San Antonio, what's the first thing you do? You fill up. And then when you get to San Antonio and you come back, if you've used all your gas, you fill up again. So prayer to your Christian walk is like fuel to an engine. You have to fill up. We won't go very far. Intercession is praying God's heart into a specific situation or standing in the gap on behalf of a person or a region. So we have intercession three times a week. Wednesday at 6, Wednesday at noon, and Wednesday at 6. You have an opportunity to corporately intercede for the body, for the city, for people in the body three times a week. And then we also have two Saturdays, the first and the third Saturday of the month. So if you're not sure what that looks like, come and sit and learn how to intercede, how to pray for others, how to be specific. When we come on Saturdays, we worship and we listen. We listen and then we pray what God gives us. I'm going to give you an example. As a pastor and a women's director, I pray for a lot of people. I pray a lot. People are, can you pray for me? Yes, absolutely. Come here. Can you pray for me? Absolutely. Come here. Can you pray for me? Absolutely. Come here. But for my grandchildren, I intercede. Not to say I don't intercede for you. If the Lord puts you in my heart and gives me a burden for you, I'll pray nonstop until he tells me to stop. But for my grandchildren, every time I think about them or I set aside time where I am, I'm travailing for my grandkids because I know what this world holds and I want them to be a light and a fire in this world. I don't want them to settle. I want them to burn for Jesus. I want them to be laid down Jesus lovers. I want them to pray and prophesy and preach and travel the nations. It's been prophesied that my grandchildren will travel to countries that my feet have never set on. Right now, they're just trying to get through school. 
and little girls trying to hit you up on that Snapchat. And I'm like, they're going to the countries. They're going to the nations. They're going to preach and they're going to prophesy and they're going to tell of the works of the Lord and they're going to carry the burden. They're going to carry the fire. That's my heart. And I know that's the father's heart because they're my legacy. They're my legacy. The fruit don't fall far from this tree. I'll prophesy about y'all all day long. They're like, wow, that's why she wanted us on the front row. So intercession becomes a focal point of our life to invest time. I don't only intercede for my children or grandchildren. I intercede for situations like human trafficking. That's one. That's just the most obvious one that I'm involved in a lot. It's a time one. Another one is Mexico. Fabian and I have invested our time and our intercession in the, in the country of Mexico, specifically the city of Puerto Escondido. We have uh, a couple there that we support that are planning a church. And so we intercede for them. What does that look like? How are they? How do they grow spiritually? How do they mature in the things of the Lord? It doesn't have to be when we talk about human trafficking, it doesn't have to be one specific specific survivor. My intercession is, Lord, don't let them give up. Let them see the light at the end of the tunnel. Let them survive. Till we can encounter them. I even pray, don't let them get high when they use the drugs anymore. Gloria laughs. She's like, (laughs) I'm like, don't even let the drugs work. Don't even let them get a high from it anymore. Give them dreams. You know, one of my greatest, one of my biggest prayers recently, you know, I hear all these stories about Jesus manifesting physically to the people, the Muslim people, right? Have y'all heard any of those stories? Like he's showing up in their rooms, right? So now I'm praying for people and I'm like, God, show up in their room. If you do it for the Muslims, you can do it for them. You don't love them anymore. You love us all the same. So show up, manifest physically. And then they'll be like, oh, that's Jesus. I better get it together. Don't let them give up. Let them see the light at the end of the tunnel. Open their eyes. Bring women here to Rock City that we can love them and bring them to the foot of the cross. And we see that happening. Another way to contend or to fight is to, to learn and, and speak the word of God. I'm teaching you how to fight in the spirit. Teaching you how to contend. What are you contending for? Who are you contending for? Ephesians 5, 6, 10 through 17. And I'm going to go over that scripture, but I want to, in Ephesians 5, 17, the word is called a sword. It's a weapon. It's not to be used at people or against people, but to fight spiritually so as to renew our minds. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord and draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him. And in the power of his boundless might, put on the full armor of God. For his precepts are like the splendor armor of a heavily armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. You know, somebody said something to us the other day and it really, I I know this, like it's something common, 
But it really was like, oh, someone said, what's the opposite of God? Nothing. The enemy is not the opposite of God. There's nothing opposite. There's nothing in comparison. There's no one higher, better, greater, or equal. That song came to mind. You have no rival. You have no equal, right? The devil was an angel. Lucifer was an angel. He was created by God. His opposite would be like Michael or Gabriel. But we try to compare him to God. There's no comparison. None. There's no comparison. The only power and authority that the enemy has, I'm going to say it to your face, guys, is the door you open to him. The only power he has is what you give him. Whether it's through a click on the computer, a smoke of a joint, an alcohol beverage, whether it's pride. See, we talk a lot about drug abuse and I'm sitting on the front row and I'm like, but there's greed, there's pride and there's lust, right? There's other things besides drugs that we are captivated and in bondage to. There's no equal to God. The only thing the enemy can do or the only power he has is what you give him. Verse 12, for our struggles, not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting people contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth around your waist and having put the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with the firm footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news above all lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, if you're not reading the word of God, you don't have a sword, you have a butter knife. And I don't know about you, but I ain't going to battle with anybody with a butter knife. I ain't doing it. The sword of the word is a weapon and it's a tool. We literally beg people to read their word and that's insane. I told someone the other day, what do you do when you're hungry? They go, I eat. Hmm. So when your soul is in despair and crying out, You've got to eat. When you're facing a battle that you don't know how you're going to overcome this, a crisis, a trial, a tribulation, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what this looks like. It all looks hopeless. Eat and be filled. 
and intercede and pray in the spirit and decree the word. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Somebody posted the other day, oh, a weapon's going to be formed. Hey, Jeremy. Sorry, guys, that's, that's my friend. A weapon's going to be formed, but it's not going to prosper. So yesterday, someone had that scripture. And remember that when Jesus came out of his 40-day fast, what happened to him? When he went into the wilderness, the enemy came to tempt him. And what did he use? Did he say, I rebuke you, get out of my face, go away. No, he said, the word of God says, it is written. The scriptures say, right? So it's offense and it's defense. When the enemy lies to you, when you know the truth. Oh, that's a good one. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free, right? So who's the truth? What's the truth? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, I like my own sayings. I'm like, oh, that's good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's good. I talk to myself. Um, let's see where we're at. God's word can protect us from the lies of the enemy. It can also be used as a counterattack. The word is a weapon of warfare. Job twenty two twenty eight says, "You shall decree, you shall decide and decree a thing, and it will be established for you. And the light of God's favor will shine upon your eyes." So there was a season when um, I first got into the fight with human trafficking that I uh, worked with law enforcement, and we rescued a fifteen year old girl that was being trafficked by three prison gangs in this city. And um, right after that. I had a random guy that we knew from our old church a long time ago knock on my door, and he had just gotten out of prison, and he was in a prison gang, and he said, I said, hey, what are you doing here? Like, I haven't seen you in years, like 14, 15 years, right? I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? And he said, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. Like, I just kind of was driving to go to the gun range. We live by a gun range, and he said, and, and here I am. And I said, Okay. So back to the human trafficking survivor, I was in the juvenile with her and I was telling her to pray about certain things. And she said, I can't, I can't pray. I can't do that. And I said, why not? And she said, cause I did something really bad. And I said, okay, well, do you want to talk about it? She said, yeah, sure. And then I thought, oh shoot, she confesses to murder. They're on the other side of the window. Like, be careful what you say. Like, I'm not sure what you're going to say. Like, you know, I want you to confess, but I don't want you to incriminate yourself either. <laughs> and I was like, well, if you killed somebody, don't say it. She's like, no, I didn't do that. I was like, okay, okay, okay. She said, I sold my soul to the devil. I said, how'd you do that? She said, I prayed to the Santa Muerte. And I was like, okay, well, that's easy. We can take care of that. And she's like, how? I said, you denounce it. We pray for you. You tell the Lord you're sorry. You repent. It's a brand new day. His mercies are new every morning, girl. Don't worry about it. He's got you. Then go back to the story where the guy knocks on our door. He's in prison and he's wearing Santa Muerte and he's got it all over him. And I'm like, what's happening? And he's like, I don't know. Like I did this thing in prison. And I'm like, dude, we take care of that right now. Do you want to walk away? Do you not want to serve this demon anymore? 
because we can help you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So we did. Months later, my family is going through probably one of the biggest trials we've ever faced. And I don't even know if my kids even know this story. But every one of my adult children were struggling in some way or fashion and going through a trial. I mean, big things, not anything minor. And Fabian and I, we're, there's nothing in our life. Everything's kosher, right? But we're watching our children struggle. And what's the heart of a mother or a father, right? When, if you see your children struggle, it breaks your heart. Like, I don't want my kids to hurt. I don't want my kids to go through things. And so... Fabian and I would be like, what is happening? What's going on? And we would be praying and praying and I don't know what to do and I don't know what to do. And then the Lord sent, I had a dream. Someone had a dream and they came and talked to me and the Lord gave me this revelation. It's like this light bulb going off when somebody said something. And I walked into a prayer meeting. I hadn't, we had not told anybody this. No one knew what was happening. And I was coming, I was going to do flourish in here and I was coming by and they were having intercession in the other room and I'll never forget it. I walked in to do something and then I saw him praying and I said, oh, never mind." And Doug Feck said, no, 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 come in here. We're praying for you right now. So because of the field that I'm in, I have intercessors that pray for me and over me and over the ministry regularly. I've got, we've got a team of about 20 intercessors. That when we're working with girls or we're out on the street or whatever, like I just text everybody and everybody knows to be praying. And it's confidential. Well, one of the intercessors had walked into the prayer room that morning and said, I don't know what's going on with Marlene and her family, but we need to pray. We need to pray. And then I come and open the door. So they called me in the room and they're praying and they're saying all these things. And Mary Fecht, who's not here today, I'll never forget it. She said, the Lord wanted me to remind you that all of heaven is at your disposal if you just open your mouth. Let me tell you the weight of that. Like I wept. Like, whoa. Whoa, all of heaven But that's for you too. That's a word for you too. Not just me. It's his sons and daughters. All of heaven is ours because he's our daddy. Fabian says it all the time. Our kids walk in our house. They open our fridge. They get our drinks. They get our bologna or our ham or our turkey. They get our chips. Like they get all our things. These kids too. They come eat me out of house and home. I'm like, dude, I don't have enough groceries for y'all three. And they're comfortable because it's their parents' home. They don't have to ask me, can I have a drink, right? It's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. All of His is ours. You know what the issue is? We don't ask. We don't, we don't think we deserve it. We don't know it's accessible. We're not worthy. But He says in, in Joel Twenty-two, twenty-eight, Job twenty-two, twenty-eight. You shall, you will also decide and decree a thing, and it will be established. A decree. The definition of the word decree is when a judge goes, done, done. And when you send the word, it's like a judge saying, done. What happens is we don't see it automatically, and we're like, oh, it doesn't work. Oh, it didn't happen. Uh Uh-uh. You know what I do? 
Ask, seek, knock. I'm knocking. I'm like, Jesus, Jesus, your word says, the word of God says that if I believe in you, me and my household shall be saved. It's in the word. God, I decree the word. I send that out into the atmosphere. The angels are watching to go and perform it to make sure it does not. It cannot. It will not return void. Decree it, speak it, learn the word, open your mouth, intercede, fight in the spirit for what's important for you. You in boot camp today. First thing. Pray in intercession. Second thing, decree the word. Third thing, memorialize what God has done in your life. We just passed a conference. I'm just using it as an example. People got prophetic words. Things happened. Write them down. Don't lose your experience. Thankfully, we have things on video now. Thankfully, we have things on video And so not this conference, but the conference before Kevin pulled me on stage and pulled my oldest son up on stage. And we had a deliverance session the night before and things were popping off and it was hot and heavy and fire and all kinds of things, people getting free. And then the next night I'm standing by the pole and Kevin's like, you're delivered to be a deliverer. And he's not talking to me, but I'm weeping And he's like, Marlene, get up here. And then he calls my oldest son up. Get up here, Oscar. And he tells me something the Lord told me way back when in one of my my quiet times with the Lord. This truly was the first time I had a conversation face-to-face with God. Okay? When I heard his voice and I knew it was him and we were talking. When he woke me up and said, feed my sheep, it was him talking, me listening. The second time we were having this conversation... And I remember I got this. I can't tell you what it is because I didn't write it down because I was dumb and young. But I ain't dumb and young no more. But he was giving me the download of my life and what ministry was going to look like. And I said, what about my children? That's a lot of stuff. And I wear a lot of hats today, by the way. But he was like, I said, what about my children? What about my family? What about my husband? And he said, you take care of my kids and I'll take care of yours. There was no one in the room but me and my father. And Kevin pulls me up on stage with my oldest son. And he said, the Lord told you, if you deliver my kids, I'll deliver yours. And I'm a more, my son has gone back. He got the video and shortened the clip of when Kevin prophesied over him and me. And Kevin had me prophesy over my oldest son. And my son has gone back and watched it and rewatched it and rewatched it and rewatched it and rewatched it because he never wants to forget. He wants to remember the things that the Lord has told him and how he felt when it happened. Because, see, life happens. And if we don't memorialize it, guys, it fades away. It fades out of our memory. I remember hearing a story by Bill Johnson where he was diagnosed with some illness and it was really, really bad. 
and he had a bad diagnosis and he pulled out his journals and recordings of all the things that God had shown him about his future and what other people had prophesied over him so he wouldn't forget the plans and promises of God. He didn't want to forget, memorialize what God has done. I'm not going to read it because we're short on time and I want to have some ministry time. But in Joshua 4, 1 through 7, when they crossed over the Jordan, he, the, the priest or Joshua sent people back to set up stones in that place so that every time they walked by, they would not forget what the Lord has done for them. They would remember when they went that way again. And here's the thing. We go through things and God gets us through and it's great and it's wonderful. But the next time we have a similar trial, do we forget what he brought us out of? Do we remember? Like I didn't come from money. Like my family was so poor. I mean, I'm from the southeast side of Dallas. It's like Pleasant Grove. Like it is like Mexico over there. Seriously. I remember as a kid hiding from the rent man so we wouldn't get, we wouldn't get evicted. I mean, I was like second grade. So having security financially has always been a thing for me. Well, my lovely, wonderful, amazing husband over here has been buying and flipping houses. And the other day he bought a house and used pretty much all our savings. And I about lost my mind. I was like, uh. If there's a national disaster, if there's a hurricane, if there's no food at HEB, what are we going to do? I said, honey, uh-uh, you can't just deplete our savings. Like, that ain't even cool. Like, we did not discuss this. And then he said, do you know who my daddy is? And in my mind, the Lord said, you've been this way before. Like, like down this road before. Like, you've, you've been this way before. And either I am your provider and I am your provision or I'm not. And either I'm a provider when you have a savings account or I'm not a provider when you have your savings account. Which is it? You decide who I am to you. So the, the last thing I have is when we contend is to memorialize, remember, write down, journal your experiences with the Lord. It's important not to forget where he's taking you. The other thing in this, in, in, in Joshua 4, 6, it says, so that this may be a sign among you when your children ask later, what do these stones mean to you? So when your child, it serves as an opportunity to share your faith with your children, to tell them of the wonder working God and what he's done for you and your family. So you go back and say, remember that time, how God got us through that? Remember when God did this for us? Remember when this happened? How many, I don't want to, don't raise your hands on this one. How often do we really go back and tell the kids what the Lord has done? And involve them in the overcoming. See, there's a, we, have a, we have a popcorn culture right now or an instant culture right now where we're struggling and people will come and say, hey, I'm struggling, I need, I need deliverance. And we're like, no, you need to overcome. Because we want a quick fix. And with sometimes there has to be a quick fix. And sometimes we have to teach you to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
Remember, it's just the, a shadow. Right? It's just a shadow. And we have to teach you how to walk things out and not always remove you from a situation. Because God doesn't remove us from things. He teaches his nature in the things. So I don't ever want to forget where the Lord has rescued me from. And I don't want my children or grandchildren to forget either. I've started to tell my grandchildren my testimony story. I had these boys in the car with me except for Nathan. His brother Ryan was there. And I said, let me tell you about my story. Did y'all know I was addicted to drugs and alcohol? And they were like, we didn't know that. Let me tell you what this looked like. I started running away from four, at 14 years old. Started telling them my whole story. Why? Because I don't want them ever to touch it. Because I don't went through that valley. They don't have to go through it. Unless they choose to and they open the door. So what are you contending for? What are you believing for? What are you, what are you fighting for? What burden has the Lord put on your heart? And I don't know if they put this up there. I sent this to the team, media team. At the very end of the scriptures, I put, so in a nutshell, when we contend and fight spiritually, we pray, we intercede, we use the word, and we never forget where the Lord has taken us from. There's so much more I could talk about. Man, this could be like a series for me. Because there's forgiveness, there's repentance, there's worship. It's all a lifestyle. You don't go through forgiveness and repentance once and you're done. You're constantly examining your life and your heart because we don't want anything to stop the flow from us to the Lord. He doesn't remove himself. Our sin removes us. Our unforgiveness, our bitterness, our lack of repentance. Saying I'm sorry and being repentant are not the same thing. Repentance is a change. It's a turnaround. It's I'm not going that way again. I don't want to do that anymore. It's just not like, oh, yeah, I goofed it up and now, you know, we're better. I'm sorry we're better. No, repentance is a change of heart. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.